0: You're listening to Townsville's Chambercast, a podcast supporting the businesses of Townsville. We look forward to sharing business leaders and inspiring local business owners that make up our wonderful Townsville business community. This week, Michael sits down with Sandra Moore, General Manager of Suicide Prevention Queensland. Part of the Selectability Group, Suicide Prevention Queensland aims to raise funds so that services can be targeted to the communities and individuals that need it the most. Welcome, Michael and Sandra.
1: Well, thank you, Chantel, for that introduction. And a special welcome to Sandra Moore, um, General Manager of Suicide Prevention Queensland. How are you, Sandra?
2: Good. Good. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me.
1: Pleasure. Look, suicide is a very, very serious issue. We know that in the community. And it's great to see an organisation looking to establish a function, a program, within their existing operations, to focus on suicide prevention. It's a relatively new initiative for Selectability Services. Can you tell us what's the thinking behind creating this new program within Selectability?
2: Yes, I certainly can, and you're correct, it is quite a new um, part of the Selectability Group. The thinking behind creating Suicide Prevention Queensland is really based on the consultations that we've done and others have done to date, and there's certainly a big need for support services, training, reduction of stigma. I guess in, in um, a lot of our communities, probably in all of our communities. Um, and with that, there what what we realised is that whilst there's a very high need for a whole range of services and support in this space, there's there's quite quite little government funding. So we've got low levels of government funding available and then we've got high need. So what we're hoping to do is bridge that gap and to be able to, through other means, provide more services and support to people in regional Queensland.
1: Mm. And so the operation being established, and tell us a bit more about it and, and how many people you've got to start off with and, and you know what you're hoping to achieve there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, um, in this particular portfolio, there are only two of us. So it's a very, very, very early days. That said, we're able to leverage off our, our wider team and selectability. There's a whole range of corporate services that can support us and, in this space. We also have clinical services in, in our um, selectability team, quite a quite a large clinical services team. So there's a lot there, but in this portfolio, there's two of us that are really getting this off the ground and, and really getting this established and, and you know just taking it forward from here. So mm. it will grow, yeah.
1: And what do you imagine initially are the core service areas you'll be focusing on?
2: So what we've actually decided to do, which uh, makes a lot of sense to a lot of people, I think, is to utilise the Black Dogs Lifespan model, um, which is a, a validated model of how one, I guess, the lens one looks through to to work out where the best place is to identify where the need is, if that makes sense. So the Lifespan model is sort of nine pillars, and it gives you a little bit of a uh, well nine pointers as to where one might focus their efforts when it comes to providing help and support to, or to any community. Um, obviously our focus is purely on regional Queensland where we you know we're not, um, we're not focusing on the southeast corner where there are already a lot of supports and services. Certainly regional Queensland and we're looking for a whole range of different solutions very much based on further consultation and engagement.
1: Mm. And and you've touched on regional Queensland, and some people who live outside of the southeast corner of Queensland imagine regional is Mount Isa, Alice, you know, yep. sort of right out in in the in the sticks. Yep. But but what is in fact the sort of definition or, or the regional area?
2: Yeah, so I guess if you can imagine anything outside of sort of the Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Brisbane, sort of central. That's a fairly big area. Mm. But, you know, if you if we think of anything outside of that, um, what people refer to as the southeast corner, that's what we're really interested in. That's where our focus is very much, you know, right out to the borders and right up to the top. So mm. it's a big space and a lot of distance and every community is different. So we're very aware of that.
1: Mm. And I know Selectability started with a fairly small footprint after the various organisations merged. And mm-hmm. then that footprint has grown right across Queensland, yeah. Do you envisage that the suicide prevention services might also have to take a similar path and starting small developing programs that are successful and then getting funding to or indeed donations to get that out?
2: Yeah, exactly. So the, the selectability footprint is is large and it covers probably the regional Queensland boundary that I just sort of explained outside of the southeast corner. So that is the initial focus. But you know um, we can't be everywhere at once, but we're trying to be everywhere at once. Um, it will depend on where the funds come from because then we'll put that focus back on that particular Co- region community or community. Need. Yeah, yeah, to give you an example, um, we had some um, a really lovely gentleman come into our Mackay office just recently and he'd raised $4,000 because he'd lost a friend to suicide and um, he did a 21 kilometre uh, swim just off his own bat, you know, just really wanting to um, create some awareness and raise some money. So that that donation that came into Suicide Prevention Queensland, that money will be spent in Mackay and the plans are already in place for that. So that gives you an example. It really is about, you know, making sure that the any donated funds goes, goes back into that community.
1: And I think that's a really important thing for people to understand is that uh, in, every organisation is different, but some organisations do take that money back to a headquarters, which could be in a metropolitan city. But to know those funds uh, generated in a particular region will stay in that region is a really, really yeah. important point of assurance, I think, for people wanting to contribute.
2: Our head office for selectability and suicide prevention Queensland is in Townsville, but that doesn't mean all the money will stay you know, in Townsville. It really is about where it comes in, consultation, engagement, what's the best for community. Most communities will have some sort of active network, a suicide prevention network or group that come together. And, of Mm. course, that makes sense on, you know, who we would consult with in terms of where that money's spent and how it's best spent. So, yeah, very much about putting it back into those communities. And, you know, at this stage, we're in that space where we're putting it all back in, for example, that $4,000 and a little bit extra just to to get the right service in there. Um, we do have the benefit of having the, the broader selectability organisation that, you know, is, is really well and fi- doing really well and financially viable, and and that helps us to pro- be able to provide that little bit extra so we don't have to um, withhold any to run the business, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Mm.
1: And look, in terms of regional communities, it's, they're very diverse, um, and I imagine you must look at it as an almost insurmountable task to be able to... Identify and provide services to so many diverse areas. We have remote communities, we have rural communities, we have indigenous communities, um, and all of them, for different reasons, have different needs and different issues. And yeah. I imagine it's a very, yeah, very challenging task to um, at least identify and become familiar with particular areas and their issues.
2: Absolutely. Oh, look, I think there's some similar themes that run throughout mm. each community, and it, yeah, but there's also a lot of differences. You're right. Um, last week I was out in Longreach and consulting with a range of stakeholders there and um, one of the, the stakeholders I spoke to in particular um, do land management and weed control for the whole Channel Country basically. They're people that go out and, and work with these farmers on you know, very remote properties. What she said to me, the CEO, was well, after a couple of visits. Her people who are doing land management—they're not psychologists or social workers—really get to know, um, and there's trust that's built. And then all sorts of things come up, mm-hmm. all sorts of conversations about people open up about their own mental health and well-being, their own concerns. Because you know we've had we've had droughts, we've had floods, we've had COVID, we've had you know fi- there's financial mm-hmm. stress, and often sometimes marriage or you know relationship breakdowns. swell and all those things contribute to one state of, you know, well-being. Uh, so they're the sorts of things that we're trying to tap into um, and really understand to make sure that wherever we direct any support, services, funds, it's, you know, we're getting the maximum benefit mm. for people in that community.
1: Yeah, and I, look, I imagine also that um, some of these services you can't get around everywhere to every community, to every person who is in need. And so initially you'll have those services maybe available online or at least be able to be accessible. Do you envisage that's a, a particular challenge to make those services available and I guess for people to access them?
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, telehealth's a, a pretty big thing and it has been for a while. And certainly when we meet with, well, we met last week in Longreach, met with the, the HHS there, the hospital and health service. And, you know, they do have telehealth as well, as, as do we in our broad operations out in Longreach. It's certainly there. Not everyone will take up the opportunity for a telehealth sort of type of arrangement or an online program. But I think... I mean, you know, it's about having a range of support services available. You can't be face-to-face everywhere, as you say, because there's a lot of distance, a lot of remoteness. You know, It takes a lot of driving and a lot of um, time to get out and about everywhere. But having that range of services, I think, including some online services, is critical.
1: Mm. When I look around at some of the organisations that are there to assist with mental health and and indeed suicide prevention, whether it's the Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, Mates for Mates. Um, yeah, I think there's also, is it, oh, you bogged, mate, and, and different there's things like quite that. quite a lot, yes. Quite a lot. Do you think there's some common themes there in terms of the strategies to try and intervene and um, prevent people from, you know, going yep. down that horrible track of suicide? Um, yep. Perhaps like, you know, just that ability to communicate, open up and talk.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, you're completely raised a good point there and it's around it's about I think about people talking so opening up the conversation and and for people to feel safe in that conversation one of the things I have learned through some of the training I've been doing um, you know mental health first aid training we have specific training specifically around uh, suicide conversations about suicide one of the things is that probably worries people the most is the moment you ask, you you do have to ask direct questions. So, you know, it's not evidence and research tells us that if I ask you directly, "Have you been thinking about taking your own life?" It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, doesn't trigger, it uh, doesn't trigger that, mm, um, which people mm, are very scared of. And mm. I'll, I'll be honest, I was for a very long time really uncomfortable mm. getting into that space of asking someone that and. I think, you know, the word suicide raises a whole lot of emotions, even if you don't know anyone who's been affected by suicide. But it does raise a lot of emotions. It's a challenging topic to even be talking about right now. But I think reducing that stigma and having the conversations is really important. And what research and evidence tells us is that people are often quite relieved when someone actually asks them directly rather mm. than beating around the bush saying, have you been thinking about hurting yourself? Well, mm. no, I haven't, you know. Mm. So, yeah, so it's it's a it's a very – it can be a very awkward topic, but it's about that level of comfortability and, and that's where training comes in, mm. you know, training community members and some of the, uh, the people I mentioned before that go out, you know, to do the weed or the, the land management, you know, if they're well-trained, they – they'll be able to mitigate mm-hmm. something happening, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously training and education is going to be an important part of the services you're providing. Yeah. Uh, maybe can you tell us a bit about some of the training and education programs maybe that are being thought about at least, may yeah. not even be delivered yet, but thought mm. about?
2: Absolutely. So the other the other benefit of being under the selectability banner is we do have our own RTO, our registered training organisation, and we already deliver mental health first aid Um, and conversations about suicide and there's a couple of others that we're actually um, preparing to to deliver as well so you know that's another thing that could happen in communities that would be of benefit um, to some communities probably all where there might be the the more people that are trained in this space um, and able to identify and say the right things or you know it's hard to say that statement say the right things because once again it's what is the right thing but the more comfortable we feel the the, the less stigma there is um, and that can be done through some of these training programs so that's definitely one of the strategies that we have
1: The other challenge I guess I might envisage in an organisation particularly starting new when you're trying to sort out the programs and delivery and, and impact are the staff themselves who probably dive in head first and think I'm going to try and save mm. as many people as I can and of mm. course possibly within a very short period of time burn themselves out is that something that Suicide Prevention Queensland is is mindful of and what programs there are there for you know that sort of um, uh, debriefing that sort of counselling almost that the staff need uh, so that they can have a long-term you know contribution to this area
2: yes yes absolutely so we actually have our own EAP services And there, that can be an that's an in-house service for any of our staff in the organisation, including suicide prevention Queensland. So, so we're able to access those services free of charge, and and certainly that's something that you know we um, we encourage, yes, um, because Mm. because of the nature of the topic, Um, we actually um, now have those services available. Externally for other organisations, if they're interested in taking up our EAP services, mm. and I don't have the I don't have the fees off the top of my head, but they are you know very very reasonable compared to some other EAP services. But in to- talking about our internal services, yes, we we provide a lot of support and um, yeah, and 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 other types of supervision that's built into um, into our roles.
1: Mm. When I talk to people these days, um, is very rarely a person who hasn't been affected or touched by suicide, whether it's a family member, a friend or colleague. Mm. Um, and many of these people, both young and old, um, are often looking for ways of um, make, wanting to assist with the fight um, mm. to mm. prevent suicide. How's the best way for these well-meaning folks to help out? You know, for example, I guess uh, Suicide Prevention Queensland could offer maybe opportunities for volunteer work or possibly donations and bequests to help ensure the funding um, is viable and continues on. Yeah, can you give Mm. us some thoughts around how not necessarily staff would help, but, but maybe outsiders?
2: Yes yeah, certainly. So firstly I'll just mention the website because that's got I guess the there's a button on there that says take action so that's uh, has a whole range of options of how people might be able to help, contribute, support. Mm. So that's just suicidepreventionqld.com.au so that's the website, so I encourage people to go on there and have a look. There's a whole range of ways, so where people can send in, well, look, I'd like to volunteer and help out in this way, and then, you know, we'll follow up each of any of those inquiries there's yes as you mentioned bequests people like to live leave a gift in their will that as you will mentioned happened help. down
1: in Mackay I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: oh that was actually a, a, a donation but yes bequests in their will mm. or um, gifts in memoriam those sorts of things and certainly there's a regular giving option as well and that obviously helps because any monies we receive, as I mentioned before, you know, really, really do go back into regional Queensland um, and don't filter out, you know, outside of regional Queensland. So there's a range of ways like that um, that people can help. You know, one of the other things is um, that I think is really helpful for us to, to really get this going is for if anyone's got a fundraising idea or wants to do some fundraising you know we can become their charity of choice so Mm. that's really helpful and that's happened just recently here in townsville there was a a bit of a fundraiser just on the weekend with the black hawks and um a charity sort of wheelchair rugby so um Mm.
1: now i suppose this the next question is a bit of a hard one because it's every time you set up a program you want to be successful Mm. and suicide prevention sounds pretty obvious what what the aim is there is to prevent suicide but Mm. what what will success look like for suicide Mm. prevention in Queensland?
2: It is the hard one isn't it so Mm. you know there's a lot of targets around and look ultimately everyone wants the zero suicide target and there's some other initiatives government initiatives in that space so look obviously that's our aim is that would be absolutely wonderful but what we'd like to do is review the data on a regular basis so we see the data there's a lag in the data that's one of the challenges mm. you know because when when you look at suicide data yeah there's a lag for a whole range of reasons that I'm sure you can imagine mm. and then not all suicides yeah. are recorded accurately either for a range of reasons but look that's all that's what we've got so looking at that data where we are sort of at the, at the start, I guess, of our journey, and then regularly reviewing that for regional Queensland and just having a look at what that's like. I mean, what we do know at the moment is that suicide rates in regional Queensland are 50% higher than the state average. So that's that's a piece of data that we can put some sort of measurement against you know if that um, reduces you know that would be success and you um, go out to the remote areas of Queensland it's twice as high again in comparison to major cities so we've got some data there that we can measure some success it is challenging but we do have we do have data. There is quite a bit of data there.
1: Mm. And as you say, sometimes uh, suicide's for different reasons and sometimes it can be a disease, uh, yep. as unfortunately yep. our local NRL coach appeared to yep. have had. Yep. Um, and therefore there's lots of reasons why these things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine also another potential um, benefit or outcome is that the people who are accessing the services are people that you can come back to at a later point in time Mm -hmm. and say, are you still having those suicidal thoughts? Mm -hmm. Yes, but have you now got some strategies, some tools Mm -hmm. that you can reach to, whatever it is, the strategy that they've they've worked on and and say, yes, that works for me, you know, whether it's going to a happy place or something to distract them away from what's going on. I imagine that could be a bit of a success story as well in just terms of people saying, look, those thoughts haven't gone away, yep. but I can now detect them. I know when they're coming on. I now know to, to surround myself with a network of friends. Mm-hmm. I, I can access these other strategies and tools. I can pull out that favourite movie book, which takes me to a happy place, you know. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So I imagine there's other Absolutely. Ways. And,
2: you know, as we develop further, I mean, on the website at the moment, we've already got some personal stories. But that's one of those things that that's a part of this that we really do want to develop more. Exactly what you just described, because even if it means so, one person goes to the website and sees a message of hope, that for that person, you know, it's helped them, and this is what they do to now mitigate or avoid um, going further down that path. So that is a success in itself. You know, look saving any life or, you know, mm. is, is a success in itself absolutely. as we're talking about measuring success. But, but certainly, yes, absolutely. Those personal journeys and personal stories I think are invaluable.
1: Mm. And I think people can really relate to them as yeah. and when they see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the importance, of course, of that independent funding, I can't be understated because, you know, for lots of good reasons, government funding sometimes comes in spits and spurts and... Yep. You might get a good run for three or four or five years and then all of a sudden it dries up and so you can't become over-reliant on it mm-hmm. and that's why you need to have that separate stream of, of non-government funding yes. um, and ideally, of course, if you had a, a, a philanthropist or a, a benefactor who's prepared to put some money in and, and uh, help you yep. know, the organisation uh, sort of get off the ground mm-hmm. at least, if mm. not continue. Mm. So it's um it's exciting times. And Mm. what do you think? What do you envisage? Roll the clock forward twelve months. What Mm -hmm. do you think suicide prevention Queensland would look like Mm. even after twelve months?
2: Look, after twelve months, I'd suggest that uh, you know a couple of things. One, we'll have a lot more of those personal stories of success and success. What what we were just talking about before, Mm. we'll have a lot more of those um stories on on our website, and we will have we'll be at that point where we've. Really delivered a lot of services into a lot of parts of regional Queensland, you know, and mm-hmm. that could be training, like I said, but it could be a whole range of different different support services. Once again, in consultation, so our whole our three sort of main pillars, I guess, is is really consultation and engagement, and in, increasing access to vital services and supports, and then the the training element. So looking at those three lenses as well, so. Uh, You know, my vision in a a year's time is that we'll have a a nice long list of of support services that we've provided to date. Mm.
1: And obviously people who will come along and share their story perhaps of of how the intervention um, changed their life. Mm -hmm. Well... Sandra Moore General Manager of Suicide Prevention Queensland thank you very very much for coming in this afternoon and, and explaining what Suicide Prevention Queensland is hoping to achieve
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we wish you all the best in the future and we hope you achieve all of, your, all of your goals
2: thank you thanks very much Michael it's been
0: an absolute pleasure to be here thank you thanks that was some great information thank you so much Sandra for joining us today Make sure to hit that tantalising subscribe button to find out more and listen to our other podcasts. You will find all the information on today's podcast on our website and on our social media platforms. Townsville Chamber of Commerce would like to thank their corporate partners, Star 106.3, James Cook University, PVW Partners. Thank you for listening.